Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Mark. Today is episode 973, and we're looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 34. Let's read our passage. Peter began to tell him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were astonished, but those who followed him were afraid. Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him and he will rise after three days. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark began his Gospel, his account of the ministry of Jesus, with the Galilean ministry. Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching, healing, casting out demons, and through it we saw several instances of him dealing with religious leaders. We saw this rift between him and religious leaders because he wasn't doing things the way they thought he should be doing them. In fact, Many of them declared that he was possessed by a demon because he was so not doing things properly. We saw him visit some Gentile areas, and now we're on the journey to Jerusalem. And so far we've seen on this journey to Jerusalem an encounter with Pharisees with the question of divorce. We saw the blessing of the children, and we just saw the instance of the encounter with the rich young ruler. And that ended with Jesus saying, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples responded, then who can be saved? This section here follows on to that because it's the same topic. Verse 28, Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. So we saw the rich young ruler who could not give up his stuff and follow Jesus. Peter says, we have left everything and followed you. Now, they've they really left everything because we've seen them go back to Peter's family's house in Capernaum a few times. And they're jumping in these boats or some of these boats belong to Peter's family. We don't know. The, the point is they have left. They've left their jobs. They've left their family behind and they are following Jesus wherever he goes. So they have pretty much left everything. Did they abandon everything completely forever? No, probably not. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. There's three promises that Jesus makes here. One is that you will receive back in this life a hundredfold what you've lost. Second is a promise that you will suffer persecution. 
And third is a promise of eternal life in the age to come. Now, what are we to do with this promise that whatever you've given up, you'll receive a hundred times that now at this time? Well, he's primarily talking relationships. And I think the way to understand that is if your family has written you off because you've gone to follow Jesus, then you basically have a new family, the followers of Jesus. So if your family will not follow Jesus, there are people now who are followers of Jesus who become your family. And if you've ever been in that situation, you sometimes find those relationships can be actually stronger than your blood relationships because you have the common faith as a basis of your relationship. I guess the primary thing is the community of Christ will be your new family. Now this question of fields, as he's saying, if you give it up fields to plow and plant and reap, then you're now receiving fields of harvest of spreading the gospel. Perhaps that's what's behind that comment there. But he also adds with persecutions. Because yes, you will receive things to replace what you've lost, but you're also going to receive persecution. Because Jesus will be persecuted, his followers will be persecuted. And the promise of eternal life in the age to come. Verse 31, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. We've seen this so many times, this catchphrase, and I'm sure Jesus used it all the time. The first will be last, the last will be first. And it's this idea of a reversal in thinking. The worldly value system is to be first, to be top dog, to be ahead of everyone else, to be in charge. Where the thinking in the kingdom of God is, how can I serve others? How can I put others first? Verse 32. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. So, pause here. They're going up to Jerusalem. They've been in the area of Jericho and are now heading toward Jerusalem. And this is always referred to going up to Jerusalem because it's uphill. The 20 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem, there's a 3,000 foot change in elevation. So whatever direction you go to Jerusalem, it's, it's uphill. So you go up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were astonished, but those who followed him were afraid. So the disciples are still astonished. They've been astonished several times here recently. They are continuing to be astonished by Jesus and what he does and how he teaches them. But others are following but hanging back because they're afraid. I'm sure with many of the things Jesus has done and many of the ways Jesus has responded to people, many, they want to follow him, but not too closely. Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Verse 33. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him, and he will rise after three days. So this is the third prediction of Jesus' death. This is the most detailed prediction. It's also the first time we've seen 
Jerusalem associated with this. And sometimes we miss that because we know the story. We know he goes to Jerusalem and is executed in Jerusalem. But this is actually the first time he's told the disciples that Jerusalem is the place he is going to die. And they're heading there now. So this puts things in a fairly quick perspective. This is sometime in the far off future this might happen. It's we're on our way to Jerusalem right now. We're walking that direction. We'll be there in a couple of days, and this is all going to happen. So they see it now as not some theoretical thing in the far-off future, but this is going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. Now, some of the people just don't like miracles. They don't like supernatural. They want to dumb everything down, say this was all added after Jesus died. And the Gospel of Mark was written after Jesus died. And so Mark added all this stuff. In fact, what they say is it's not even Mark who wrote it. It was people who used Mark's name. But this was all added after the fact that Jesus didn't really predict to this level of detail his death. Well, if Jesus really is who we say he is, then there's no reason that he can't predict to this level of detail. Because if he really is the second member of the Trinity, the Messiah, the Son of God, God the Son, if those things are really true, then knowing all this is not a problem. In fact, he's come with the mission of dying on a cross. And it's not that he knows he's going to get to Jerusalem and somehow trick them into killing him. He knows what's going to happen. But this is the most detailed this is the third prediction that Jesus makes. The first one was back in chapter 8, verse 31, and then chapter 9, verse 31, and now here in chapter 10. And the elements of this prediction, he's going to be delivered to the chief priests and scribes. That was in the second prediction, and also this one. He's going to be sentenced to death. That was in the first prediction, and this one. He's going to be delivered to the Romans. That's new in this one. He's going to be mocked spit upon and scourged. That is new in this one. He's going to be executed. That's been in all three. And he's going to be resurrected. That's in all three. So new things. They're going to Jerusalem and that's where it's going to happen. The religious leaders of the Jews are going to sentence him to death, but then hand him over to the Romans for execution. That's all new now. So we have this third prediction of his death. Luke, in his gospel, adds the disciples still did not understand. And they're really struggling with this understanding. They're, they're understanding who Jesus is to a certain extent now. They understand he is the Messiah. He's the Savior. They even understand he's the Son of God. But the whole idea of death and resurrection, that still doesn't make sense to them. They can't process that yet. We'll see in the next section, the next passage, how they're still not getting it. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.